week when the apostles and elders were of one mind, much good came from it. They were assured of the Holy Spirit's direction and they were able to resolve a big problem that arisen in the church. But what happens when apostles and elders are not of one mind, when they cannot agree on a particular matter? Obviously, they should try to work out their differences. They should pray, study, debate, and, if possible, compromise. But what if they still cannot agree? What if the matter is a matter of principle for both parties, neither feel they can yield and there can be no compromise? Should those in leadership in the church at that point just do nothing? Sometimes that is the best course of action. There have been times when our elders have simply tabled issues that couldn't be resolved. But other times, that may not be the best course of action. No one would want to see the work of the kingdom indefinitely paralyzed by an impasse. So if an impasse does develop, is it ever okay for Christians to part company and go their separate way? Sadly, the answer must be yes. The time may come when even Christian brothers must go their separate ways. Now, obviously, that's not the best solution to a problem. It's always better when differences are resolved and brothers are of one mind. And if we were all perfect and could see every matter with perfect, objective clarity, we could. But that's not the case. We fail. Our knowledge is imperfect. We are biased and often blinded by our opinions. And we sometimes only think we understand God's will on a particular issue. Therefore, the best we can make of a bad situation may be separation. It actually happened to Paul and Barnabas. A big problem arose when Paul had a plan, in the 15th chapter of Acts. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Paul and Barnabas had finished their first missionary journey. They had returned to Antioch and had spent several months with the brethren there. They'd made a trip to Jerusalem to resolve the issue raised by the Judaizers and then went back to Antioch and spent time teaching and preaching, probably through the winter. But when spring broke and the travel lanes were beginning to open, Paul decided it was time to go back and visit those they had led to the Lord. Now by visit, he meant more than just a casual visit. He used the word as did James when he said true religion is to visit widows and orphans. He meant to check on them, to help them, to meet their needs. 
Paul's desire was to visit the brethren in every city that evangelized, to check on the welfare of the churches and the individual brethren that were there. Now, that was, of course, a good idea. It was an excellent plan. Paul knew it wasn't enough to just lead someone to Christ, to get, see them born into the kingdom. We have a responsibility to help them grow and mature in the Lord, and that's what Paul wanted to do. And no doubt, what God wanted as well. But this plan led to a problem. Verses 37 and 8. And Barnabas was desirous of taking John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. The original ministry team, you recall, included a young man named John Mark, who was Barnabas's cousin. He signed on as their helper and was with them as they crossed the island of Cyprus and sailed with them to Asia Minor. But when they got to the coast and prepared to press on through to higher elevation and cross mountains that were known to harbor thieves and murderers, he left, went home. Now, we don't know why he went home. There's been a lot of speculation, but we really don't know why he left. The bottom line is, he had committed himself to be their helper on the journey, but partway through had deserted them and gone home, something that no doubt made the rest of the journey much more difficult for Paul and Barnabas. Well, Barnabas was nicknamed the son of encouragement, and for good reason. When the apostles avoided Paul right after his conversion when no one would trust him. Barnabas took him under his wing. He expressed confidence in him and introduced him to the Christians in Jerusalem. And true to his name, his first thought when Paul mentioned a second trip was to send to Jerusalem for John Mark, to give him a second chance, to give him the opportunity to clear his name, to encourage him to continue in ministry after an early failure. But Paul wouldn't hear of it. Mark, in his eyes, was a deserter who could not be trusted. And Paul felt the work was too important to take a chance with a deserter, so he insisted that Mark not go. We have the makings of a problem here. Two men of God, both good men, both committed to the same purpose, but they're coming down on opposite sides of an issue. How can that happen? Very easily. They were looking at the same issue from different perspectives. Barnabas focused on an individual in need. All he could think of was John Mark, how he felt and how his life could be ruined by failure. He knew Mark had potential and just needed another chance, and it was important to Barnabas that he got it. Paul, on the other hand, focused on the needs of the mission 
And we don't want to minimize that or say, well, he didn't care about people. No, no. He really did because it too was actually people-centered. Lots of brethren needed the encouragement they would bring. You know, Mark had failed when the going got rough. And Paul didn't think they could risk it happening again. Too many people were counting on them. He didn't have anything personal against Mark. He just couldn't take the chance. So who's to say which man was right? Both had valid points. Both were actually focused on the needs of others. They weren't thinking selfishly. And both felt they were right in God's eyes. And I'm sure both could back up their thinking with Scripture and with precedent. They were at an impasse. So how did they solve it? They didn't. (laughs) They didn't. The problem led to their parting. Verses 39 and 40. And there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. Luke says there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. Apparently, the more they discussed it, the sharper the disagreement became. And Paul and Barnabas simply could not resolve their disagreement. The only way they could settle it was to part company. So that's what they did. Paul went one way, and Barnabas took Mark and went the other way. They went to Cyprus. Now, that was where their first journey had begun, and it was where Mark had served, so they they weren't deserting Paul's great plan. They were doing exactly what Paul had suggested they do, visiting and ministering in the cities in which they had proclaimed the word of the Lord. And as far as we know, Barnabas spent the rest of his life ministering with the churches of Cyprus, which was actually his home. Paul, on the other hand, decided Silas was the man who should accompany him. You may recall he was one of the men who had come from Jerusalem to Antioch to help settle the problem with the Judaizers. Whether he stayed in Antioch or had returned to Jerusalem isn't clear. Verse 33 indicates that Judas and Silas went back to Jerusalem after their mission in Antioch had finished. But verse 34 says Silas stayed in Antioch. Now, the textual evidence indicates that verse 34 was most likely a scribal addition to account for Silas's reappearance in verse 40, but that really wasn't necessary because Paul could have easily sent to Jerusalem and had Silas come join him. But be that as it may, Paul chose Silas, and Silas was a good man. He was a prophet in his own right, a Roman citizen, a man well-known and respected by the apostles and elders, and a capable scribe as seen as his, uh, by his service as a secretary or amanuensis to Paul and even later to Peter. So Paul and Silas 
headed north. And interesting to note, they were officially sent out by the church at Antioch. The text says, being sent out by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. Now, that, that may indicate the church agreed with Paul. But we don't want to read too much into it. The bottom line is that they separated ways because they couldn't settle their difference of opinion. Now, I really doubt that God wanted them to separate, particularly the way they did. But good did come from it. Two teams were now working instead of one. But they could have been formed on better terms. How often have we heard of a church split that ended up birthing another church? I mean, some good can come from even our failures. And that happened here. That happened here. Now, I don't believe it's ever God's will that brethren get in such a sharp disagreement that the only option is for them to split and go their separate ways. But it is better to part than to paralyze one another. If they had stayed together, the mission may have died. That may have been the end of their journeys. But the mission didn't die. And we saw some real progress after their parting. Continuing verse 41 through part of the 16th chapter. Paul, referring to Paul now in Silas. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And he came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Now, while they were passing through the cities... They were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. We don't know what Barnabas and Mark accomplished. The record leaves them as they set sail for Cyprus. But we do know that Paul and Silas were able to strengthen the churches they visited. And there's no reason to believe the same wasn't true of Barnabas and Mark. They just went in different directions. Paul and Silas headed overland on their journey, going through Syria and Cilicia, visiting churches that Paul may very well have founded during the years before his official missionary journeys began. And eventually they passed through the Sicilian gates into Galatia, arriving in Derby, and then going on to Lystra. In Lystra they found a certain disciple, a young man named Timothy, and were able to draw him into the ministry. Most likely Timothy had been led to the Lord by Paul on his first visit to Lystra. He was a good man, a young man, well spoken of, by not only the brethren in his hometown, but by neighboring towns as well. But there was a problem that could have hindered his effectiveness as a minister. It isn't mentioned in our text here, but we find it in the epistles. The problem came because he was the son of a Jewish woman, Eunice, and a Greek man. Now, the normal custom would have been for him 
to be circumcised and to identify with the faith of his mother. And apparently his mother did have tremendous influence on him, as did his grandmother Lois, but for some reason he wasn't circumcised as an infant. Maybe his dad didn't like the idea. Now, the Council of Jerusalem had made it clear that Gentiles who became Christians were not to be circumcised. And that circumcision had nothing to do with a man's salvation. But Timothy was thought of as a Jew. And to not be circumcised would have appeared to be a repudiation of his nationality as well as his ancestral faith. So Paul circumcised him. And he joined their team, effectively taking the place of Mark, a place he was supposed to have fulfilled on the first missionary journey. Together they went through the cities, delivering copies of the letter from the elders and the apostles, letters that made, made possible fellowship between Jewish and Gentile Christians, generally strengthening the churches and even leading more people to the saving knowledge of Christ. Bottom line, God was able to bring good even out of disagreement and division. Again, now he had two teams instead of just one. In addition to, to that, Mark had been redeemed. Even Paul would later refer to the fact that Mark was a good man and wanted him to come and minister to him in Rome. Silas was able to expand his ministry because Paul needed a new partner, and Timothy was drawn into the ministry to fill Mark's place. So much good did come out of Paul and Barnabas's disagreement. Still, I don't believe God was pleased with their disagreement. And I don't believe it was God's will for them to separate the way it did. Sometimes when we really screw up, we say, well, it must have been God's will. No. It's not God's will that we disagree so violently that we have to separate from each other or divide the family of God. No, that's not his will for us. He could have accomplished, they could have accomplished the same thing, formed two teams by saying, hey, let's split up. You go one way, I'll go the other way. Let's draw in some more help, and the kingdom will expand. They could have accomplished it without the division. But that's the way it happened. <coughs> but you know, that doesn't really surprise us. Because God is using imperfect instruments when he uses us. And it's good to know that he can use us even when we fail and even when we can't get along. You know, there's a scripture that says that we should be at peace with all men inasmuch as it's possible for us. It doesn't always happen. We should never just sit back and say, well, that's just the way it is. We're just going to have to buck up and continue to seethe and disagree and look over our shoulder. No, no. Sometimes we just need to acknowledge our failures, acknowledge our sin, admit that we really 
can't work together with everybody effectively because of differences of opinion, priorities, personalities. There are things that separate brothers. They separated Paul and Barnabas for crying out loud. So it shouldn't shock us. We don't like it. We don't embrace it. We don't let that be an excuse. But we acknowledge that it can happen. And sometimes the best thing may be for separation. Far too many churches have been paralyzed by strong disagreements that couldn't be resolved and, and then just stayed just under the surface for years. You know, if both parties in such situations love the Lord and want to be of service to Him, it may sometimes be better for the kingdom if they go their separate ways. Over the years, it's broken our heart when some have decided they had to leave us. We never celebrate that. Thankfully, I'm not aware of any struggles right now. As we mentioned last week, they come up. And it seems like whenever things are going good, that's when the devil loves to stir the pot. So we can't just sit back and say, well, it couldn't happen to us again. It might. It probably will. We need to be ready for it if it happens. (coughs) Again, I'm very thankful. As far as I know, we're not there. But it sometimes happens. It sometimes happens. And sometimes brothers do have to separate. Separation is never God's will for his church. But God can use even our failures if we'll give them to him. I'm very grateful for that. I'm so encouraged that Paul and Barnabas couldn't settle their argument. (laughs) I really am. I think it's awesome. And it's recorded in Scripture. Isn't that something? You know, the Bible doesn't gloss it over and say they all lived happily ever after. No, it doesn't say that. They had to deal with life the same way we have to deal with life. Sometimes they really screwed it up. But in spite of that, in spite of that, God continued to use them. And even when we screw it up, God can still use us if we'll let him, if we'll let him. He'll take us just as we are. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to straighten up our act before he comes into our life. Now, by his grace and through the power of his spirit, our acts should be getting better and better all the time, but even then we're going to fall short and we're going to fail. But if we'll allow him, he'll do something good in our life. It may not be perfect, because we're not. But it will be good. 